Hello, my name is Scott Bradley, and this is Scott Score Podcast. And today I'm joined by Chris Toner. Chris, how are we? Yeah, I'm okay. So, Chris, we're just going to dive right into it. Celtic beat Riga 1 0 away from home tonight to qualify into the playoffs in the Europa League. It was not a good performance from Celtic, Chris, but you got the job done. So, tell me, what were your thoughts on the game tonight? Yeah, well, ultimately, my thoughts are thank F. It was a painful watch. Um, Going into the first half, um, we had nearly 70% of the possession in the first half. Um, we only generated six shots out of that, and only two of those were on target. We struggled, really struggled to break down Riga's defence for much of the half. Um, our early opportunities were limited to shots from outside the box by Christie and McGregor, playing like a broken record like that, just like having shots from outside the box and going for it. Um, you could tell for much of the game that Riga's game plan was to defend and catch us on the counter and that was something they actually managed to do a few times and def- defending, as I've already said, very difficult to break down. At one point I counted every single outfield man behind the ball. Yeah, and um, I know, oh, sorry to interrupt you Chris, but I noticed that Celtic were playing such a high line uh, because it was obviously Riga were playing with 10 men behind the ball so I think Lennon obviously instructed the Celtic players right let's play a high line go forward and try and kill this game off early doors yeah you can tell we were going to just try and get the goal to kill the game off because they were never going to pose too much of a threat to us but as I say their game plan was the catches on the counter and they did a few times um, they forced each of the back three uh, Duffy, Iron, Beaton to make key challenges. Um, the one against Beaton, that was actually three Riga players against one. Um, that might well, very well be the chance of being kicking themselves at. Oh, uh, yeah, definitely. Like What an opportunity that was. And you can tell, <coughs> pardon me, that Riga, they're not a good side, especially like technically. They're not at all. And you, you've seen that, especially with that chance that you just mentioned, Chris. Yeah. Yeah, they'll be kicking themselves with that. Champions as well. Um, no disrespect to Latvian football, but doesn't say much about the quality of football over there. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Forrest went off injured, and then Frimpong came on, replaced him. Um, that was frankly a game changer. Um, we saw his pace for his first bit of action, and it was apparent from that moment that he was going to be the one that changed the game. Yeah, uh, oh, yeah. Keep going. Yeah, I thought Frimpong completely changed the game and when see when he came on he added so much pace and creativity down that right hand side yeah after that most of the attacking was from that right hand side we just completely exploited that um, wasn't until we didn't seriously test Riga's keeper until the 35th or 36th minute um, credit to him it was an excellent save it tipped over the bar um, and then off the back of it um, we had a period where we kept the pressure up um, a minute after the save I crossed me at the head of Shane Duffy who's been a brilliant aerial threat since he joined it's generated two goals in the league um, Edward his head tried to find an Edward who had a quiet game Edward couldn't get the critical touch behind it and then Eton had probably the next best chance to the first half um, just no, not enough power behind it to seriously test the keeper. It was a routine enough saving the end. Um, then we had another good chance towards the end of the half. Um, 
McGregor was thrown instead of trying to get the ball underneath the keeper, Frimpong was on the other side of the box. He was played the ball through, but it was cleared behind before the ball could get to Frimpong. Um, mm-hmm. From the ensuing corner, Christie's shot was behind and wide, and that really killed off that period of pressure. Um, there was only one other chance before the half, Duffy. There was nowhere near it. Yeah. And seeing the first half, Chris, I thought in the first like fifteen twenty minutes or so, Celtic started the game well, playing with a really high tempo. Then in the last like fifteen minutes or so, the tempo started to slow down. And I I hate being a broken record saying this, Chris, but and I've seen a lot of Celtic fans on social media saying this too. Scott Brown yet again slowing the tempo in the midfield down completely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't think either of the three in the midfield tonight um, McGregor, Tram or Brown played with enough tempo yeah because, but that's that's what the, the, the main complaint was from the Celtic fans uh, in the first half, the tempo was slow because they were there for the taking and we've just said there, they're not a good side at all and Lennon must have been I wouldn't say fuming but he must have been quite annoyed at the, the missed opportunity Celtic had and it, obviously Celtic didn't create a lot of clear-cut chances, but the Celtic were dominating them. And Celtic had opportunities to like create something more meaningful, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, absolutely. Lennon actually did praise the dominant performance of the team. But um, as you say, it's like not creating the chances we should have done off the, such a dominant performance. Mm-hmm. So uh, going into the second half, Chris, did you see much improvement? Uh, in the spe- I'll probably t- let's talk about the the first like fifteen minutes or so uh, in the second half. What did you think? I'll be honest, um, I did totally switch off at points throughout the second half. Um, roughly the same amount of possession, and um, we did get some more shots out it and a few on target. Um, Christie had a shot that was easily saved. Um, Ayeti, he was subbed on um, to play up front with Edward, allowing Christie to drop back. Um, unbelievably, the few from close range, and it was all unbelievable that he didn't get anything from it. Mm-hmm. And Ryan Christie and the Edward partnership not working yet again. No, I. Um, I think you said in the chat Lennon not learning from his mistakes there. Yeah, exactly. Lennon yet again not learning from his mistakes. I don't know what is what's going on in his head, Chris, where he thinks that this partnership is going to work when he's got a jetty who is a striker on the bench and he's not starting him alongside Edward. I I think he's hell bent and determined to make this partnership work. And it's clear as day it's not working. And Ryan Christie tonight did not have a good game. He was snatching at chances and nothing was happening for him. No, definitely not. And um, I think Lennon's pretty stubborn. I think he's trying to let, prove a point by almost trying to push this and then the one time it may work, then that'll be like, his indication behind sticking by it. Mm-hmm. So, um, But as you say, he's, uh, yeah, he's been scoring pretty much, well, don't think quite a goal again, but near enough. It. And um, Lamala, he was on the bench as well. I, as I, I think I've said before, I 
don't think Lennon's got a lot of faith in Clamalla. Yeah, that's uh, quite evident, as we've seen recently, Chris, that I don't know what it is, but he's not given him a real opportunity, and especially in Europe. Uh, and it, like, so what was the point of signing him then, you know? I know, um, obviously at the time, um, Griffiths had worked his way back into the team when we signed him in January, and it was to obviously back up at the time. Obviously now with Griffiths's track record, shall we say, um, he won't get a sniff at the side, and um, Clamalla's managed to get ahead of him, and I don't think Clamalla's all that bad a player, he shows some good attributes, he consistently presses, doesn't give up on the ball. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean, yeah. Like, because, uh, as you were saying, like, you don't think he's all that bad, um, but it seems like Lennon's soured on him for some odd reason, you know? And James Forrest, what did he make his performance tonight? Do you think he was quite non-existent? Yeah, um, obviously, like, unfortunate injury. I don't know what, to what extent his injury is, but um, obviously Frimpong came on to replace him. Um, yeah, changed the game up completely, as we've said. Yeah, yeah man of the match performance. Um, obviously, I don't know the extent of Forrest's injury, but I think it's definitely got to give... Um, Lennon food for thought for how he lines up on Sunday, even if Forrest is fit. Yeah, definitely. And as soon as the game was going on, Chris, in the second half, were you thinking, right, it's going to be one of those nights where we've had chance after chance, nothing's happened for us, then they're going to get one lucky counter-attack and boom, we're going to go out of Europe. That's the way that I thought the game was going to go, not going to lie. Yeah, absolutely. I thought it's going to be one of the, those frustrating nights where dominant possession-wise, we're not, but we're still not creating anything with it. Um, and then they're going to get a goal, jammy goal, or on the counter, or one brilliant bit of play, and that'll be enough to boost to the sword. That's how I thought the game was going to play out as time wore on. And uh, a special mention tonight, Chris, for, uh, for Riga's keeper. I thought he made some really good saves at times. Yeah, he did. Um, obviously, I praised his first half effort already. Um, but other than that, he well, covered the um, first half chance from Beaton pretty well. Don't think Beaton put enough power in that. Um, then he showed some good awareness in the second half. Obviously, it was a bit scrappy in front of goal a few times, the chances I yet he had. But... I think Ayeti actually took that away from himself, not being aware of where the ball was, and that was how he was able to slip back into the keeper's hands on one of the occasions. And uh, I seen when the, your reaction in the chat when the goal went in, when Elanusi scored the, the last-minute winner, you, you didn't even celebrate, it was just like a gasper. Thank God for that. Yeah, it was just a complete sense of relief. Like, at first, when he came on, I was like, why are we making this substitution? He's rotten extra times, limiting, and even though Edward hasn't been at his best, why is he coming off? If if it does go into extra time, we might need a moment of magic for from Edward, but I was happily proved wrong when Frimpong, like, the goal came from Frimpong, um, down that hand, right-hand side of the pitch again, and Elianusi was in the right place and managed to get the shot, 
Behind the shot and into the net. And I have to say, Chris, right, um, there was a big difference between the right hand side and the left hand side tonight. When Frank Pong, when receiving Frank Pong came on, like obviously there was so much energy and pace down that right hand side, but on the left hand side, it was, it was rather weak if I'm being honest. So it was, and uh, Greg Taylor was obviously playing out left tonight. How do you think he done? Um, done alright. I I did expect more of him. Um. He's not bad going forward. I'm not so high on him with going back defending, but um, obviously would have preferred a bit more balanced attack. Yeah, I don't think he's one of those guys where, as we've seen tonight, you you would throw him on and you'd be like, right, let's play the ball down the left-hand side to Greg Taylor. He can salvage this game for us and create so much... uh, like down this right uh, down this left hand side, sorry. And but you've seen that with Frank Pong and I think Frank Pong's got a big future ahead of him. Um it has to be said he's really good in the ball, good dribbler, his delivery's superb, um bags of pace. Yeah, like and obviously you can tell that he's enjoying himself at Celtic, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. You can tell he's a man for the big occasion or the man that if he's called upon he can let indeed change the games but I don't think Greg Taylor's that kind of player that can step up and change the completely change the game so you're through at the next round Chris um, who have you got do you know yeah we've got Sarajevo they saw the Docknos 2-1 do you know anything about them um, well We've actually got some recent history with them. We played them last last season in the first qualifying round for the Champions League. We beat them 5-2 across two legs. So it's safe to say that they'll be out for a bit of revenge. Mm-hmm. And see the, the playoffs? They are two legs, aren't they? It's only one-legged in the Europa. Oh, right, OK, OK. It's only the Champions League where it's two-legged. So it's away in Sarajevo and... Not going down play that. That's not a easy place to go. We were victorious but the last time last year, but different occasion, not more at stake. Sarajevo are going to be up for this. So uh, I just want to mention this to you, Chris, right? Um, a former Scots Squad pundit tweeted this out. Um, don't want to mention his name actually, um, but um, I'll tell you what he tweeted out. This is what he said: Christy, Forrest, and Edward need dropped. Brown has passed it. Lennon needs to get a grip. Thoughts? <laughs> I agree with some of his sentiment, yeah. But Edward dropped. Come on, like Edward's your best no. player. Like that's way excessive. That's an overreaction. Yeah, Forrest, probably understandable. Yeah, um, I don't. Yeah. yeah, he's been very hot and cold, hasn't he? The, uh, like for the last while. Sorry, the last while or so. Um, Christy. Yeah, I would probably say so too, but Edward, pff, come on. <laughs> yeah, so Rogic uh, looks to be off, Chris. Celtic have uh, accepted a bid. Um, I, I don't recall the team who Celtic have accepted a bid from, but how do you feel about that then, Chris? Rogic, fi- finally away. Um, the boy, very talented, but just could not last, uh, could not last 90 minutes at all. No, definitely not. Um, obviously, it will be missed. Um, was always a man for the occasion. Obviously, provided some fond memories with his stepmother for the big occasion, the 
that Aberdeen Cup final to seal the invincible treble. So it's definitely done a service to the club, but um, yeah, probably time to move on from him. Mm-hmm. And would you like to see any more signings uh, in Chris this season? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, definitely get another option down on the left-hand side. I don't think we've really got any depth behind Greg Taylor anymore with Bowen Goley finally getting to... I made the get to France joke. He's gone further than France, so the further away he is, the better. Yeah, happy days. Um, so... Chris, before we move on to the Rangers segment, we've still got a game to cover. Uh, a Celtic game, sorry, to cover. And that's Celtic versus Livingston from the weekend, which we, uh, well, you reported on from uh, the Soccer Saturday uh, episode. But So we'll dive into that, Chris, uh, very briefly. So it was a dominant performance from Celtic, but at times there were a, very, a few shaky moments. But what do you think of the performance? Yeah, it was all right in the end. Um... Time wore on, we weren't ever too much in danger, but when they got that, Livingston got that goal, which I felt Barkas was a bit of fault for, I felt he could have saved that a bit better because it was quite central. He could have covered it a bit better. It was like, oh, I don't know. Um, we were so comfortable for so long, weren't threatened, and then they were only a goal within it from pulling back, getting a draw out of it, so... I did think if they get enough chance here, it could go in, but thankfully it didn't come to that. Yeah, and Jason Holt, a former Rangers player, uh, scored the penalty to open the goal, sorry, open the, um, the scoring for uh, Livingston. I remember he said yeah. that on uh, the, uh, the Zoom call, and I was like, no, nah, easy days, Celtic will get back into this, and I think that's what we all thought. But how do you think Livingston done? Were you impressed by them? Yeah, well, I was a bit surprised. Um, don't think they've had the best of start to the season, so definitely showed up. Well, they got the goalless draw. That was the frustrating game for Rangers against them. Uh, obviously, Tony Macaroni is not an easy place to go. Um, classic no. pitch advantage. Um, even though he's uh, definitely dominated the game, uh, how did you uh, at times feel as though Livingston were... Difficult to break down. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, because we we've said it before, a very well organised unit. So they are under uh, Gary Holt and very very frustrating to play against. So I think they can take a lot of positives from that performance. And even though there's no fans there, regardless, Parkhead is still a very tough place to go. So yeah, they've they've got a point off Rangers this season. They went to Parkhead. Only lost by a goal, scored two, and scoring two at Parkhead, it's very difficult to do, you know. So, I think, as I said, yeah, they'll take some positive uh, positives from it. And uh, big Effie Ambrose, uh, how, how do you think he done? I think that no bad on coming back to Parkhead. And uh, before we move on, uh, you got any? Fun- so, what's your thoughts on Effie Ambrose overall? You got any fond memories of him? Because remember, he was a a fan favourite for a good while, so he was, and then the infamous uh, Champions League game against Juventus where he came back from the Africa Cup of Nations and said to Lennon, I'm fit, I'm ready to go, and he had an absolute nightmare in the game against Juventus. Yeah, I remember that for all the wrong reasons, um, completely fault for the goal on that one. Um, 
bit of cult hero in some regards, the F.A. Ambrose Ballon d'Or chant. Do you think that was the start of his career? No, sorry, the start of the, the downfall at him at Celtic, where Lennon came out, lambasted him. Celtic legends like John Hartson came out, slaughtered him. Even John Hartson even went as far to say that uh, Ambrose conned the manager. You know, so I don't think Ambrose ever recovered from those comments at all. No, I don't don't think he did. Obviously, even if he was raring to go on that, I, if I was letting, I wouldn't have took the chance on him. Yeah, I know. I think, obviously, when you look at Ambrose, he's a very enthusiastic uh, character, so he is. And I think Lenin just seen how enthusiastic and passionate he was about playing the game. But Lenin probably should have known better. Would he, do that? Would he make that, mistake, that same mistake now? Probably not. <laughs> So, making his first appearance on the pod this season, the one and only Josh Freer. Josh, welcome back to the show, my man, and how are we? Oh, thanks, mate, and yeah, I'm fine, mate, yourself? I'm very well, mate. So, Josh, Aberdeen, um, what do you make of the start to the season so far? Um, it's been very interesting, to say the least, the controversy surrounding the Aberdeen 8, where eight players were tested for COVID after going to a pub. And uh, the Hamilton game got uh, postponed uh, due to that. And I think another game got postponed as well. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, yeah, that's right. But what do you make of the start to the season? Uh, four wins and two losses. How do you sum it up? Um, well, I thought the very first season opener, I thought... Um, when the way we played against Rangers was very poor. Rangers pretty much dominated the game, you know. And um, yeah, it's, after that, like with the players getting the COVID uh, break-ins, you know, I thought our season was going to hit quite hard. But I think since then, um, we, we've we gone on a winning streak. I think we got like four wins in a row or something like that. Yeah, And right. we had like four four clean sheets or something mm-hmm. but um, obviously our um, and we obviously done in the first few rounds of Europa League we were starting to build the momentum but um, I think it was the recent league loss to Motherwell that set us in, a, in our tone yeah. and obviously with tonight going out to Sporting is quite disappointing um, if I'm being honest the Sporting Lisbon resort I wouldn't look too much into because they are a pretty good side, mate, and you only lost one 0 away from home. Granted, there was no fans there, but it was still away from home. So, did you manage to catch the game tonight? Because I know you're working. No, I didn't. Um, I I was only following the news feed on Twitter, to be honest. So I have like kind of, I I don't really have the full facts in front of me because mm-hmm. I've been working. You see, so but from what I've been told is that we, um, we didn't really take the game to them you know um, there's no doubt Sporting Lisbon were the far favourites they were going to they were going to give us a tough game but I think to lose just 1-0 is not too bad but you know I, I feel like we should be giving them more of a game 
Yeah, because um, obviously Chris and I missed the game tonight because Chris was watching. Well, obviously Chris was uh, what the Celtic game was at one at six, but Chris was watching Rangers game for this uh, for the podcast as well. So we both missed it, and we'll we'll do like a full analysis on it next week. So we will, but I can like I haven't seen the game, so I can't fully comment. But see the re- the reports that you were seeing. Was it like classic Derek McInnes, ten men behind the ball, inviting all the pressure? Um, well, I, I'm just trusting a few. Yeah, from what sources you're, what, yeah, from what you heard. Yeah, it, I think like we were struggling to create chances. To be honest, um, I think Sporting had scored within the first seven or eight minutes, mm-hmm. something like that, and um, I think we can get into the momentum of the game. From what I heard that Ryan Hedges had a chance right at the end, but um, aye, I didn't come much of it. But aye, that's all I really have. But Yeah, and see, since the season started uh, so far, uh, Josh, I have to say, I think Lewis Ferguson has been your standout player by a country mile. You think? Yeah, I would say so. I would say so. Um, but for for you as an Aberdeen fan, who would you say stood out for you personally? Um, for me, it's either Ryan Hedges or um, who else would you say? Well, for me, it's been Ryan Hedges because he's scored a few goals in the Europa League campaign earlier on and he's been finding his rhythm, you know. What about Lewis Ferguson? Uh, like I had, I th- the reason I said him is because anytime I've seen Aberdeen, he's been really, he's been so important to the midfield, and he's the glue that keeps the midfield together. And see when you when he's not playing, you see a massive difference. You see a massive void in it, and I think he is just a real quality footballer. But what do you make it? What do you make of me saying? What do you make of me saying, Lewis Ferguson? Uh, no, I I agree. I think because. Like I focus on the attacking yeah. aspect, because Ferguson, um, Ferguson Hedges has scored a few more goals. I've maybe gone with him, but no, you are right. Ferguson um, is a is a great player. You know, I think um, he's not the prettiest players to watch, but he's he digs in deep. He gets in your face. You know, he's like a classical um, uh, centre defensive midfielder, if you like to call it, but. I know he digs in deep, and I think he's starting to find his own rhythm in the game, and so hopefully it develops from there. And hopefully, with the loss at Motherwell at the weekend and the loss tonight, we can kick on. You know. So before we discuss the Motherwell game, I know you're dreading to speak about that, <laughs> Josh. But Lewis Ferguson, um, do you think he'll end up for Ibrox in the near future? Nah, I don't think so. <laughs> but bearing in mind, though. You'd relate to Barry Ferguson, so if you are Barry Ferguson's nephew, you know what team he secretly supports. <laughs> That's for uh, sure. Uh, I do. No, I get. Obviously, that Ferguson's a Rangers name, and um, obviously his uncle's what you call probably Mister Rangers or whatever. But I, I honestly don't think he will this season or any coming seasons. To be honest. I, I, I wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if he'd gone in the same way but I, I personally have a feeling that he just won't you know no I, like see for what our midfielders are looking for right now I don't think we need Ferguson 
uh, at this moment in time. In the future, yes, I'd like to see Lewis Ferguson in a Rangers jersey because I rate him highly. But the Aye. midfielder that we are looking for is someone who can just grab the game by the scruff of the neck and just be that re- real advanced pl- uh, playmaker. So uh, that's the type of midfielder we're looking for. Um, someone who can be very creative, very dynamic, and as I said, take the take the game by the scruff of the neck. A real good dribbler, I know. So, and the, like Lewis Ferguson, yes, great player, but I don't. Th- I think we've got too many players very similar to him. If you know what I'm saying, so yes, yeah. not just now though. So we'll speak about the game uh, from the weekend. Josh Aberdeen Mullerwell. It was a disaster. Uh, absolute the, the first half. I could not believe. Uh, what I was watching when I seen uh, what was going on it was madness like 1-0 down in, in the space of 4 minutes and Josh the penalty what did you think fair decision I think within the current rules of the game it probably has to be given I think it was like Watkins handball mm-hmm. from what I believe yeah so yeah I probably would give it because you know the handball situation nowadays like you don't know what to how it goes with the rules, don't you? So, to be fair, I probably would give it. Um, and I, I, th- I can't remember. Was it was it Donnelly who scored a penalty, or it was O'Hara? I mean, O'Hara. I, it was a nice place penalty. Joe Lewis had gone the other way, so I won out. I didn't really think much of it at that point, but I got far worse. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought it was a penalty stone, like. The reason I thought it was a stonewall penalty is, for one, as you say, like, the handball rule, you can't get, like, obviously, that's what the rule is, and it clearly hit off his hand, right? And it was, even if it was intentional or not, still still hit off his hand, and because, obviously, the middle player, you see the, his header, the, his header, it, where he hit, it hit the ball with the head, ball was going in the back of the net anyway. So prevented a goal scoring opportunity, penalty all day long. So the second goal, Joe Lewis, my God. <laughs> it's very unlike him to do this. Straight past to Long and Long slots it to make it 2 0. Joe Lewis was having a nightmare in the first uh, <laughs> eight minutes. That it wasn't even ten minutes, she was like two 0 down within eight minutes. Like madness. Yeah. I know, like I don't know what he was like I don't want to give Joe Lewis too much stick because he is like for me one of the best keepers in the league on his day but like he has to be doing much better for that clearance I mean I don't know if he's maybe mishit the ball or if he's trying to be like cheeky and go for another ring player close to his box but like you say I think Long gets it straight away and he slots it past him and I think even Joe Lewis position for the second goal wasn't ideal, you know, because he's he's leaving a big massive gap to his left where Long's easy easily able to like slot it in. So I know he, he Julius should be doing better, you know. <laughs> yeah, definitely. See, it's very as I said, it's very unlike Joe Lewis to do something like that because he is a really top keeper, and it was bizarre when he done that because. I don't know. I think he, he. I think he was. He was just lacking composure, concentration, and see if you give Chris Long any sniff of an opportunity, he's going to pounce on it because he's a very good striker. 
Aye. No, he is a good striker. I give him that. But like you say, Jolo should be doing better. I don't think just even if it's going out, I just clear it. You know, I wouldn't give in. Like you say, a good striker like him, a sniff of the ball. You know. Yeah, and Mugabe makes it three now. The twenty eighth mm. minute, um, defensively, uh, defensively from the corner, I thought Aberdeen were all over the place, really disorganised, and at that at that point the game was gone. Yeah, oh, I, I was gone. I think Derek McInnes, even from judging by his reactions on the bench, they came rubbing his forehead like he knew the game was out of reach. You know, yeah. I think I'd also point out that Joe Lewis should have done a little bit better. Having said that, it is a good header from Mugabe. And like you were saying about the defence, it should have been structured better. But I think maybe Joe Lewis maybe could have done a little bit better there as well. Yeah. And obviously no shots on target for Aberdeen. Nine shots. The the best chance Aberdeen had was... was hit the post. Yeah. yeah. I think it was uh, where Hedges or Watkins hit the post. It was I Watkins. Yeah, Watkins uh, hit the post. That was the only real good chance Aberdeen had. Second half for the Dons, just... As we just said, the game was out of reach. And I think the Aberdeen players looked so deflated. They knew it was all over. And I just want to mention this as well. Lewis Ferguson, very naughty challenge uh, on Tony Watt. Very lucky not to see red. Studs up for that 50-50. I thought that, mm-hmm. if that like the way the modern game is, that would have been a red. Uh, a light. And I think the referee got that wrong. But what do you think? Uh, well, he's had, this, had, um, he's had discipline issues in the past, you know. Um, he's had red cards before with us. Um, you're right, it probably should have been a red, but I don't know if it's just been a case where referees let it slide or he's not properly seen it. Because mm-hmm. I don't know if he was on a bookend or not. I'm not too sure. But um, I, I probably Yeah, I think you're right. Sorry, yeah, I think I got that wrong. I think he was originally on a yellow card, he might have been. I'm not, I'm not actually too sure. I need to double-check that. But regardless, though, I think that should have been a red. <laughs> Aye, no, you're, you're right, mate. It probably should have been, to be honest. Mm-hmm. So, Aberdeen this weekend, who have you got? Is it Ross County, I think? Ross County away? Ross County away, up at Dingwall? Aye, possibly. Yeah, so, I'm sure it's away anyway. Mm-hmm. So you'd be looking to bounce back from uh, two defeats in the trot? <laughs> Including tonight, yeah, it's yeah, that's what I mean. Yes, obviously, yeah. t- tonight there's no shame going out of that uh, going out to Sporting Lisbon, but still two yeah. defeats uh, in the draw. Right. Yeah, so you'll be looking to bounce uh, back against Ross County. Yeah, no, I want us to win. I don't. Um, if we lose this game, I'm, I'm, I would be very annoyed. Or if we at least if we get a draw or a loss, I'd be very annoyed. I want us to win this. Um, I want us to fully go at them. Um, with a winning mentality, you know. <laughs> yeah, because obviously you have two games in hand. You're sitting fourth in the table just now. Yes, yes, it still is early doors, you know. But Aberdeen, as you said, they need Aberdeen need to get this like start getting a winning mentality, going on a good run of form because it seems like stop, start, stop, start constantly. At Aberdeen. Aye, uh, it's the same like the past two seasons, you know especially when it came to the Europa League qualifiers. 
like the first couple of rounds we're doing really well the start of the uh, domestic season we were doing really well but it just seems to be this kind of like downward spiral we keep on going <laughs> if it, downward spiral we get keep on getting into the first like f- wait, four or five games in you know mm-hmm. and w- the season kind of gets like <laughs> you know where the season's going to end up going it's going to end up being very average you know <laughs> mm-hmm. and I don't know what's happening with the Scottish Cup uh, like Chris obviously the Scottish Cup is still going ahead in December isn't it like from um, the Scottish Cup from last season yeah, the um, semi-finals are taking place on um, Halloween weekend, I believe, because we are supposed to play St Mirren on Halloween Saturday and it's postponed to play the semi-final. All oh, right. Because we were meant to play Hamilton, that's been postponed as well. So, yeah, that's right. The, the finals um, were the Sunday before Christmas. No. Yeah, and like obviously you know, Josh Aberdeen's record against Celtic is horrendous. <laughs> so, are you fancying your chances in that one-off game in the semi-final against uh, Celtic to potentially ruin the quadruple <laughs> treble? <laughs> nah, I hope we thump them in for <laughs> and personally, <laughs> and no, I hope we do like really beat them but I think losing to Motherwell the way we did isn't looking like uh, it's going to be possible yeah obviously if we, it's, a, it's a decent time away isn't it for like three four weeks maybe even longer yeah something like that so going into that cool. you, you'll need to go on a good like run of form and it's, will be obviously will be huge huge underdogs and that record that Celtic have over McInnes in Aberdeen will loom heavily over that game you know and yeah, yeah like if Aberdeen are able to do one over Celtic that would do wonders for their confidence but yes that is a while away um, so it is but would you like to see any more signings in the Aberdeen team before the transfer window shuts? Yeah well I think McKenna's move away to Forest I'd like to see another defender in because mm-hmm. Ash Taylor's we played them tonight and I just want him at my club he's terrible so I definitely want another at least another centre half and maybe maybe another attacking midfielder mm-hmm. yeah I have to admit Ash Taylor is woeful but Scott McKenna going to Nottingham Forest I was literally about to bring that up what's your thoughts on that I think he went away for £3 million plus add-ons aye £2 million add-ons and I think from what I heard I don't know but I think if he does sell for them in the future within his contract, we get a twenty percent sell on. So, are so you happy to see Scott McKenna go? It was obvious that he wasn't happy there, and um, due to him actually putting in a transfer request. Aye, and I think he was wanting to leave. It's funny you bring this up because see when it, it fast forward a season ago when we were playing Reykjavik at this point in Europa League, it was through Scott McKenna how we started this downward spiral because he handed in a transfer request the day before that game and I think that was in the minds of the team, you know, because we've got this player who wants to leave like, and you can tell by the way he was playing that game he didn't want to be there and it's a similar thing 
this time round, but only difference is he's actually gone. So, um, I know, like, I'm glad that we got a decent fair bit of money out of him, you know. And, um, like I say, from what I've heard, like, McInnes isn't going to use that money to buy any defender or anyone, actually. I think he'll use that money to buy McCrory. Yeah, and, um, I think McCrory deal is pretty much done where you're going to get him. In the, you've, and in fact, you've got an option to buy at the end of the season. That's right. Yeah. You have an option to buy at the end of the season, so... Aye. Yeah, no, I, I think that money... Sorry? Sorry, yeah, um, yeah, I think you're right. I think he's going to use that money to get McCory, but I don't... There's, I, I highly, highly doubt we're going to hold, like, hold his ransom, right, and want three million for Ross McCory. That won't happen. Um, no. And they, I'm not going to lie, mate, I, I was quite disappointed to see McCory go, you know, but I just didn't see where he was going to fit in this Rangers team currently because yeah um, I, I rate him I do but our midfield is currently stacked with very similar players like him uh, and see if he never requested to leave he would have been sent, sent out and loan again so I do have to commend yeah. his ambitions to want out want to go out and get some playing time under his belt and actually like play full time for a club instead of going out and loan to this club, this club and whatever, you know. So, I think you must be happy with the signing of Ross McCory. I know, he's been pretty decent, you know. And um, the first, like, his first game, I think it was against Hibs. He was probably one of our best players on the pitch. And he's been, I think he scored against Kilmarnock as well. So, uh, he's made a very good impact for us. I think with the weekend, like, I think... With Motherwell, like, I think he was played at a position. Like I think he was maybe played at a right back. So that's obviously not where he's best utilised. Because I think his best position is either holding midfielder or yeah. maybe like a centre half because he is quite versatile. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I. Sorry. So, uh, so keep going, Ross. Uh, Ross. <laughs> Ross. Uh, keep going, Josh. Aye, but like, no, he, he's been a very good player so far and I hope hopefully he keeps his form up because we really do need kind of that spark in the midfield you know and yeah. but see see going back to before like I didn't think like see with that 3 million we got McKenna I didn't think we're going to use that all in Ross McCrory it's just that I think maybe a bit of that will go towards signing him you know no yeah I know what you mean um, because as I said we're not going to hold his ransom at all for Ross McCrory uh, well Want a reasonable fee, and we don't like we wouldn't want to keep a player who's I don't know like it doesn't want to be here, you know. And so I think the reason we done the loan deal is because for one, um, <laughs> I don't think we wanted McCory playing against us this season, and two, I don't think Aberdeen had the funds, especially due to this pandemic, to buy him. No, that's right. That's going. Yeah, so there was another thing I wanted to ask you there. Uh, Ross McCrory was fat down. Um, it was Ross McCrory. Uh, just one last thing on him, then I'll let you go. Uh, I would say, me personally, I would say that his best position is holding mid. After watching him at Rangers for a good few years, right? Centre half, I'm not really convinced, right? He might have improved in that area, but holding mid. 
my god, that boy can do some really good stuff. Like, see, he's so confident and so bold where he does not shy out of a tackle whatsoever. And, like, see, he like if he plays in that position, he can become a real, real top holding mid in the near future. He's got all the potential I... in the world for it. Um, no, you're right. I think he is best put in that position because he has the freedom in the midfield and he links up with our different players quite well with Ferguson, McGee and Kennedy and Hedges. So, aye, that's probably is his best position. It's just, you know, whether McInnes plays him there, you know, because you know what he's like with his final decision-making on the team sheet. Yeah, but Ross McCoy at right back is... If I'm being honest, I'll say it bluntly, that's fucking stupid. <laughs> no, yeah. it is. Uh, I think, obviously, because of the McKenna transfer, they had to try and like shift the squad somehow, and it ended up disastrous. Yeah. You know? Yeah, 100%. So, Josh, it was a pleasure having you back on. Um, hopefully Cheers. get you on uh, next week uh, to discuss County and Aberdeen. Um but, yeah, again, uh, great to have you on, Josh, and uh, all the best, big man. All right, cheers, mate. Thanks. Take care, right? Right, you too, my man. So, finally, the segment I've been waiting for all night. We left it to the main event because it is the main event. <laughs> it's a big one. <laughs> one everyone's been wanting to hear my thoughts on. Willing, now, Rangers 4. So we're going to switch uh, roles here. Uh, so we are, and Chris is going to be the host here. He's going to be asking me the questions on the Willen and Rangers result tonight. So Chris, fire away, my man. Yeah, Scott, obviously you must be delighted with that performance. Absolutely delighted, mate. Um, to be honest, I did not see that one coming at all. Uh, I was... I thought it was going to be a really tough game. And I have to say, the first uh, 15 minutes, it was all them. It really was. And they played with a high tempo, really good in the ball, by the way, I have to say. Uh, and they were causing our defence a lot of problems. And I'm not going to lie, I thought, right, I think this is going to be a, it's going to be a real difficult game here. We're going to be in for it. And then... Uh, <laughs> and this is the shot I want to talk about. Um I forget his name, forgive me, but the Willem player had a, a long-range shot where McGregor fails to catch it. Then it comes out for the rebound and the Willem player hits the crossbar and it goes over. And then, I, see, when that, when that happened, I'm like, you got away with that big time. And then, not long after that, Ryan Kent gets a penalty. Stonewall penalty all day long. His foot clearly got caught, so it, so it did. And it was a right call from the ref. Tav stepped up. I was shitting it. <laughs> I was shitting it. I was like, Tav, right, please don't be public enemy number one with the Rangers Twitter tonight. And don't make me do my usual, oh, fuck's sake, Tav. So I was like, sitting there, praying. And then Tav slots it away. And I'm like, brilliant. And credit where it's due. Great penalty from Tav. Very composed and confident. And there's one thing nobody can take away from Tav is see on the spot he's brilliant like he, n- he never usually crumbles when it comes when it comes to a big big penalty he usually always steps up and he'd done that tonight and see if he missed that 
I think things would have been a downward spiral. I think some of the Rangers players' heads might have went down, you know, because we've seen that in the past, but they never. And Morelos, shortly after that, had a, a shot from a long range, very similar to what happened with the, the Willem player. Morelos had the shot from long range. The keeper fails to catch it. Ryan Kent is there for the rebound to slot it home. 2 0 up. I'm like, fantastic. <laughs> Couldn't believe it. I'm like, yeah. what a start to the game. Even at that point in the chat, you were still like, you weren't feeling too comfortable because you've already, after mentioned the um, pace and that on the Wallen players um, and how threatening they were in the final third. Yeah, exactly. And it, I wasn't getting too ahead of myself. I seen a lot of people on Rangers Twitter were really excited and upbeat and stuff, but I was like, no, it's we, it's, we know what Rangers are like. <laughs> we could ha- have a very dominant display in the first half and second half. Might just go off the boil and heads might just go elsewhere, you know. So I wasn't getting too excited. But overall, first half, I'll tell you my thoughts. What, uh, the first 15 minutes, as we've just alluded to there, thought like William were very dominant but we grew into the game and then we're, we went in two and a half time Ryan Kent uh, will come I'll give, I'll give my final thoughts on how brilliant he is later on um, but yeah. yeah I have to say uh, Hadji first half and second he, he wasn't at the races and I he didn't have a good game but I want to be positive and uh, upbeat And but yeah Hadji was the one that kind of wasn't the best tonight and I don't want to be too negative but he wasn't great I've noticed that with Hadji this season he's been a bit quieter not hitting the same heights as he hit last season um, obviously the Sky Sports boys were talking about it Sunday obviously his goal on Sunday I feel that was some brilliant craftsmanship but um, yeah I think he needs to start doing a bit more yeah definitely Um because when he got that goal against Dundee United, I thought, right, that'd be... Not Dundee United, um, Hamilton, sorry. Uh, when he got that goal against Hamilton, I thought, right, I think he can kick on here. That's a big confidence boost, but it's been... It's been a... I don't know, it's been a very slow start for him. Um, it, like, it seems like... Ryan, like, see what Ryan Kent's been for us this season. That's what yeah. I expected Hadji to be. And Ryan yeah. Kent's been our superstar. So he has. Um, so... Hadji, if I'm being honest, I think he needs a wee break out of the team to yeah, my, really, my. don't know, like, just find out why he's not doing it right now. He just, a wee break, I yeah. think it could do him the world of good, you know. So, second half, um, delightful cross into the box from Ryan Kent. Delightful, unbelievable. Hollander, Headers it away, 3-0 up. That's when I was like, game done and dusted. Second half though, we were the dominant side. We were in the ascendancy. We bossed the game. Second half, very, very comfortable uh, in every area of the pitch. And then the fourth goal, delivery from Tavernier and Golson with a bullet of a header into the net. And Al McGregor. Terrific. Classic yeah, Al McGregor cool. tonight. We've seen classic oh. McGregor. Made some unbelievable saves. He always stands up to the occasion, especially in Europe. 
his experiences are so valuable valuable to this team. And I think it's safe to say, Chris, he's earned his number one jersey back. Especially after yeah, was, tonight's performance. I was going to ask that question. I was going to touch on the second half as well, obviously. Um, the first chance of the second half was Willem. Um Obviously, you still maybe were a bit at that point until uh, um, the Hellanders goal went in that the tie wasn't put to bed yet. So, um, but yeah, McGregor had a brilliant game. I was indeed going to ask you, like, despite the form John McLaughlin had been in up until the Hibs game on Sunday, if you felt that has McGregor done enough to win his jersey back already despite um, McLaughlin's excellent form in his absence? Um, I expected McGregor to start tonight. Even if we won at the weekend and kept a clean sheet, I still think McGregor was going to start the night. Um, because McLaughlin's never experienced playing in Europe, I don't think. And McGregor has. He's played in massive, massive games for Rangers in Europe. And as I said uh, just there, his experience is valuable to this team. It's crucial. He gets it. He, he, he's, he's played in big, big games for Rangers. So I wasn't surprised at all. Right decision. Um, and it it has to be said see McGregor he played his part tonight he was crucial because some of the saves he made they were like if they, if he didn't make those saves we probably would have went out I, I would go as far as say that yeah like he was sensational I know I keep raving about him but tonight further proved why I think he's the best keeper in the country yeah um, I'd I'd agree with that sentiment. Um, obviously, Celtic Barkas um, had some shaky performances. He's only really had like one game where I would really rate him like top pass marks. Um, the Ross County game. Um, obviously, he's got a lot of football to play, make up for it. Um, time to get into it. Um, but yeah, I'd probably agree with you on that one. Speaking of best players in the country, though, um, hard to. Hard to not say that it's Ryan Kent at the moment. Yeah, definitely. That's why I'm just saving Ryan Kent towards the end. This is where I can just rave about him. Yes, I didn't want to start uh, talking about how great he was uh, like when we were just covering like half-time. <laughs> you know? So, yeah, Ryan Kent is further proven why we paid £7 million for him and he's really coming into his own this season. And as you said, like, and, and you're a massive Celtic fan as well, you can even admit he's the most informed player in the country at this moment in time. Like, Absolutely. Yeah, tonight he got a goal. Um, he won the penalty. Um, he got an assist for the third goal. And the delivery, as I, I said uh, just there, it was beautiful. And he is just playing with such confidence right now. He really is. And he just ran uh, well and ragged tonight absolutely random ragged and he was a nightmare for them and I, I think they'll be glad to see the back him that's for sure yeah absolutely um, now that you have saw um, Willem Tway Galatasaray away they saw Hadjuk split tonight um, one legged playoff is that Ibrox how do you fancy your chances against Galatasaray next Thursday very tough game um, I think you've got a much favourable draw than us, man. I was going to say that in the Celtic segment. Um, obviously, we had a tough uh, game tonight. Well, going into it, tough game. Um, 
they're a very solid side. I think at the back, defensively, they're a bit soft. So they are. But going forward, though, they're, they're a threat. I'm, I'm talking about uh, Terry uh, Willen. Um, going forward, they are a big threat. But defensively, they, they need to get a, like, a couple of new centre-halves in, man. Because pff, they were... Pff, we, we bullied them tonight. We, we really did. Uh, and especially in the wide areas as well. Like, we, their, their full-backs were all over the place, you know. But yeah, my really tough game against Galatasaray. Uh, if, we, if we can do that, I'll be absolutely delighted. They're a better team than Legia Wasser. And as you said, it's one leg. It's one leg. And the it, it's going to be weird. Uh, the Rangers players playing at Ibrox. Big game against a, a massive club like Galatasaray with a huge history. Um, and they'll be playing in front of no fans. So, that would be strange. Uh, but I fancy our chances though, Chris. I do. Uh, if Ryan Kent playing, anything's possible at this moment in time with the form, with the form he's in. <laughs> yeah. And um, ball, it was a bad night for them in Europe. Beat 3-0 away. The result was very expected against um, a side like Hapoel Bersheva, the Declan Gallagher sent off. You just play them on Sunday. How do you see that one going? Uh, see if we can take our chances. Yeah, we'll we'll win the game comfortably, and uh, I've got we're we're just about to uh, speak about Hibs, um, the 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 that game from the weekend there we drew to each, but yeah, Motherwell, they've had quite a slow start, and I'd, I'm not surprised they went out of Europe tonight. If I'm being totally honest, um, they got a result against Aberdeen as we we're talking about earlier. Beat Aberdeen three 0 uh, at Pataudry, so that will give them a, a massive boost. And Motherwell, when they play against us, they're a very physical side, so they are like to put their weight about, you know. So if we turn up, we'll win the game. And I'm feeling confident going into that, I really am. Uh, we've got better players than them, there's no doubt about that. Yeah, I feel I feel we're, we'll win, and I'm going to go for a a three nil, a three nil. That's what I'm going to go with. But I just want to mention uh, one last uh, thing on tonight's game. Our midfield, I thought, was so well organised and it was so dominant. Stephen Davis, big shout out to him. He's came in. It came in for some criticism in the past from Rangers fans, but I thought he controlled. And organised midfield so well, did not put a foot a foot wrong at all, and C's experience that really showed tonight. Along with Alan McGregor, Davis and McGregor have been about the block. They get it, and Davis, yeah, like he's he, like people saying he's finished. He's not finished at all, not in my eyes, and you clearly seen that tonight. And Gwen Kamara looked very comfortable on the ball, very composed. His passing is neat and tidy. That's what I want to see. And I'm just absolutely buzzing with that result tonight. But the job's not fully done yet. As we just said there, Galatasaray next week. Huge, huge game. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, we touched on Murrow there and Aberdeen as well. It would have been quite nice to see, to be perfectly honest, um, if all four Scottish clubs had managed to find a way into the playoff round that would have done wonders for the coefficient. No, you're right. Um, it, it would have, but 
Aberdeen were up against a real tough team and Aberdeen don't have the no disrespect, the players or resources to get a result against a team like Sporting Lisbon, let's be brutally honest about it, you know but I can yeah, see the Motherwell fans like they must be really gutted because they got into Europe and see when we, they, we, we didn't really know a whole lot about the Covid situation they were expecting a, a good away day in Spain or wherever, right? They were expecting a good away day and they've been, I wouldn't say robbed of it, but not robbed of it, but due to the circumstances, it was not possible. And that must have been a real sore one for them because they've not been in Europe since Stuart McCall was the manager. So, yeah, that's a real kick in the balls for them. And Aberdeen, they, they'll be annoyed as well. They didn't, they didn't get a good away day against a, a big team like Sport Lisbon uh, in Portugal. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you mentioned the uh, Hibs game from the weekend. You want to say anything about that? Absolutely. Um, that was a very frustrating one, to say the least. Uh, very disappointing result, so we'll go through it. Um, so at Hibs first goal, the first goal I thought Barisic was caught out in two minds. I thought he overthought it a bit. Martin Boyle was like basically dancing around him and I think Martin Boyle was a very uh, talented footballer but from a a defensive and positioning point of view it wasn't the best goal to give away Davis I think should have tightened up a bit not and not allow Wright to get that shot away um, but obviously I was just praising Davis there just a wee small thing and mistakes happen so but just pointing it out and uh, I want to talk about Ryan Portis yeah, a clear elbow to Morelos's face, uh, and if it was the other way about, that would have been a red card. And see when you look at the footage, there was clear intent there, clear intent. So there was, and I was baffled why why that was not a red. And there was another incident as well, involving Hadji and Hanlon. Another elbow to the face. That should be a red card. It wasn't. Very weak decision from the ref. So the Rangers go. Yeah, fantastic build-up play, a real top volley from Alfredo Morelos. It, it was tremendous. So it was, uh, and Morelos, uh, he's had a very stop-start season. But if you give the guy chances, he'll deliver, and that was a beautiful volley to make it one each. So, second half um, started off well. And as you were mentioning uh, there, Chris, the goal, Rangers second goal, very intelligent goal. And the pass from Hadji just shows that it's frustrating. He's a very smart player. And <laughs> and he's very quick thinking. He, he gets it. But we want to see more of it. We want to see more of that. If you're, and then it was a lovely... Quick thinking pass to Arfield. Arfield took it well, made it 2-1. Then we had another great chance where Hadji put a really good ball through to Ryan Kent. A player of his quality should have scored that, but it has to be said, Marciano is a great shot stopper. And then, Hibbs, second goal. Oh, this is, this is what it annoyed me. <laughs> really did annoy me. <laughs> 
But I'm not trying to make excuses at all, right? I know I mean, I pointed out the two incidents with the, the elbows to Hadji Morelos' uh, face. I'm just pointing it out. I'm not blaming the referee. We should have won that game. But I'm not going to be one of those Rangers fans where, yeah, the ref courses. We had our chances. We never took them. I'm just pointing out the referee's flaws. So, second goal. Dodge clearly offside. The linesman was looking di- directly at it. <laughs> directly at it. It's baffling, right? Uh, <laughs> honestly, Scottish football officials, man. So, the ball gets whipped in uh, from Martin Boyle. Dodge, I think, wanted the header more than Hollander. Dodge slots it away, makes it to each. I think Hollander could have prevented that goal. I think yeah. he could have done a bit better. So, so we had a chance towards <laughs> we had a chance towards the end to win it. Um, a beautifully timed pass uh, from Davis. Great vision. Uh, sends it to our field, where he hits the shot first time straight at Marciano, and then Marciano saves the rebound, and I'm like, oh, that's it. That was a chance, man. That was a chance. So, yeah, at that moment, that was it. Game gone, you know, and we dropped two points, which is frustrating. And you know, Chris has been a fan of one half, one half of the old firm. Like it's unacceptable to drop points, and it was really disappointing. And I thought Rangers were the far better team, but we just did not, yeah. as I said, take our chances. Uh, and against uh, Willian, we did. We took our chances. That's we learned our mistakes from the Hibs game, which was glad, uh, which I was so glad to see. We took our chances tonight, but we never done it on Sunday. And every every oh, that's the thing, though. Going into games against teams like Hibs, Easter Road away, Aberdeen away, even Dundee United away, Motherwell away, you need you, you need to win these games. Like, they're big games and you can't afford to drop any points in them. And we all know it, there's going to be a title race this season and, like, we're both looking over each uh, other's uh, shoulders currently, you know. So, yeah, it was a, that was a real kick in the teeth, that result. Yeah, especially Celtic had had the game in hand. So, they were, Celtic won that game in hand in still early days, but it would put Celtic two points clear at the top. Obviously, that game in hand hasn't rescheduled yet so we won't look too much into that um, Gerard's charge for his comments what do you make of that? Yeah I was literally about to bring that up yeah I was baffled by that um, so Gerard got charged uh, by the SFA for the comments he made after the Dundee United game where he just said if it was all the way about Morelos would have seen red right? and that was in reference to the tackle uh, which was ridiculous that Morelos received where it was a he, he had a, a gash in his leg it was a shocking yeah, was a shocking challenge like it, it was disgusting how that was not a red right so Gerard didn't say anything bad he just said if it, the, if it was another foot I think <laughs> Morelos would have seen red I think everyone would probably agree with that you know because of the reputation he's got so not Gerard's been sure. charging it what'd you say? I'm joking, not Michael Sure, I won't start going <laughs> on him. But... Oh man, I've seen his comments about that. Just baffling, mate. Just honestly, God, Michael Stewart. 
it, like he's, oh, he's, at this point, he's just trying to do it to wind up, and it, it just makes something like an idiot. Like, there's see if you're going to be controversial or be a wind up, at least be able to back it up. He was just, I would even go as far to say, just being stupid. Like anyone, uh, any right minded football fan can see that was a red, that was a clear red card, and see when it happened, it, he was trying to pussyfoot around it. And he, then he started making it all about Morelos, saying, oh, I'm sick of this. Oh, Morelos is a victim. Morelos is not a victim. Oh, I'm sick of people saying Morelos is a victim. Like, he's just, like, t- like, like, doesn't really spend a lot of time dissecting that disgusting challenge and just makes it all about having a go at Morelos, which is unacceptable. Right, we're going to go on further about um, Gerard. Um... I might have made you lose your train of thought by buttoning in with the Michael Sharp joke. I know it's about Ryan Portis and what his comments after the Hibs game. Um, no, it was a bit more about um, Gerard and the whole saying it was if it had been the other way about Morelos would have been sent off. Or did you cover that and you were about to move on? Uh, no, I covered that. Yeah, that's what that's what I was saying. Yeah, like I think it would have been the other way about because Morelos. He has a, for some reason, right, he has this really bad reputation amongst referees, right? I know he's a very combative player, right? So he is, and he's a bit of a hothead. And see, I think he's definitely matured. When he first came to Rangers, yes, he was he would lash out very needlessly, right? And you'd be like, oh, what's the point in doing that? Like, why are you doing that, you know? And... He's definitely matured and improved mentally and as a human being since the Scott Brown incident that happened uh, in the, the old film game, the 2-1. But I, I, it's weird how Morelos gets treated differently from other footballers in the country. Uh, what, what do you think? Like, do, like, do, you, do you get what I'm saying? Like, what, It's bizarre, in my opinion, like it's like the referees are just desperate for him to do the smallest thing. Boom, yellow card. It just doesn't. Yeah. It just does not sit right with me. Yeah, it's a subject to all kinds of jokes amongst Celtic fans and that. But on a serious note, yeah, definitely as like any referee looks for it's just to at least draw the yellow card. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. And I just want to mention a thing on uh, Ryan Porteous. One real last thing on him, right? I thought, his, I don't know, like, the his comments after the game were, like, really cringeworthy. So they were, where he, he, he called Tavernier a bad loser, right? So for one, I liked what Gerard said. He was saying, uh, I'll, I'll quote him here, where he was like, Gerard said, I think Porteous was saying that Tav's a bad loser, which is which I think is a bit cheap coming from him. He got sent off for a really bad tackle where he was losing 3-0 against us last season. <laughs> right? And that's funny, Portis actually saying that, because we didn't actually lose the game, like, against Hibs at the weekend. We didn't lose, but yet he's calling Tavani a bad loser. Yeah. What sense does that make? <laughs> no. <laughs> but yeah, is there anything else, Chris, that you want to touch on about uh, Rangers? 
No, I think I've covered pretty much what I wanted to ask you. Yeah, so overall, the one wee last thing I'll say about the Rangers Hibs game. We defensively we could just got caught out for the two goals. We should have took our chances better. And we've learned our lessons, I think, from that game. Evidence proven tonight. You know, so hopefully we can continue uh that this run of form going into the domestic season and not just be so wasteful with chances because I think against uh, teams like Hibs you need to take them you need to take them you know so before we wrap up um, I'll just we'll speak about what's going on with uh, the whole Covid situation um, the, so the government Chris have decided to halt the test to have fans back into the stadium uh, which is gutting so it is, but it's it's a right call at the end of the day because obviously we're on red alert currently. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as far as like the lower leagues go, um, they obviously they'll feel any impact to the decision worse than um, Premiership and even Championship sides. There's crisis talks scheduled tomorrow about. Um, if the lower leagues should actually indeed go ahead, if there's going to be no government support. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, like, like the SPFL obviously have asked the government for some funds. Do you see that getting granted? Um, I don't know. Um, obviously, don't know how Furlow works with football clubs or that, but Rishi Sunak announced a series of new measures. I don't know how that would work for football either. So it's going to be interesting to see what the outcome of those talks are. Can the SPFL not help out? Um, wasn't that like the whole vote? That was kind of like one of the issues at the vote um, earlier on in the year. Because I thought the SPFL or the SFA would be able, be able to help out or do a bit more, you know, instead of asking the, the Scottish government but it'll be interesting to see if that will get granted but even if it does do you think it might be like a loan thing where the clubs will need to pay it back at some point um, that that could work I suppose if it's a lifeline to these clubs obviously and then once some form of normality resumes the clubs can start getting income and then they'd be in a position to repay the loan but as it stands, um, without any support, there's unfortunately some clubs that could end up going out of business. And uh, I want to say this, right? Neil Doncaster's on 388k a year, right? <laughs> See some of his funds, man. I think they can help out uh, a few lower league clubs. I was going to bring Neil Doncaster up. I've seen some jokes about if they donated his salary to the lower league clubs yeah I know like he's pretty useless anyway <laughs> you know and uh, yeah let's be honest yeah he really is and I don't understand how he's picking up that amount of money for doing such a piss poor job it's ridiculous man yeah yeah it honestly is Um, it's the, the future's not looking good for lower league clubs um, and it, like their main source of income 
is from fans being in the stadium. So, yeah, I, I really feel for them. And if nothing gets done about it, if there's not going to be any major help, we're going to see a good few clubs going under, which is a real shame for Scottish football and for the, the fans of the clubs in League 2 and League 1 and maybe even one or two in the Championship. Yeah, because for some of these teams, like, they might not be the most well-supported teams about, but quite a lot of them are like quite central and part of their, their communities. Yeah, I know. And i seen uh, this uh, journalist called Ewan Murray put up a tweet where he was suggesting that the old firm should help out the lower league clubs. I'm like, why should we help out the lower league clubs? Like, I'm not saying this to like be, I don't know, snobbish or anything, but like, see when this whole independent investigation was where Rangers said something about, we we said to every club in the country, right, we should do an independent investigation, right, into the SPFL and a good few clubs worked against it, right, and I'm like, okay, why do we need to, why did Old Firm need to help out every other club just because we've got, just because we're the two richest clubs in the country, if you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, we, we are not alone in feeling this, we feel it too. Yeah, true, I know, but yeah, it's, it's not looking good, it's not looking good, but before we wrap up, um, Charlie Adam was in the news this week, where he said he's not worried about getting Covid as he's healthy. It's a deal to, to be honest. Yeah, it really, really is. And uh, that's, like, people like that annoy me where they think the virus will not affect them and they just have such a dismissive attitude towards it. And yeah, it's like he just made himself look like a complete dafty. I know, this, this virus doesn't discriminate. If you look at some of the people that have had it, the Prime Minister, the Prince of Wales. We'll end it there, Chris. Fantastic episode. And uh, until next time, guys, take care and we'll see you soon.